Hi, guys. Welcome back to I Told You I Couldn't Breathe, Damn It. I'm your host, Lori, and this is my co-host, co-host Joey, co-host today, Joe. How you doing? my partner in crime. Or Joey, whatever. It's Joey. <laughs> but uh, if you hear music in the background, we are currently at the French Press, where we are always located, recording podcasts. Um, if you hear music in the background, we do not own the rights to the music, so uh, it's piped through the coffee shop. Uh, if you haven't heard, we're on Anchor Breaker, Breaker Breaker, <laughs> Google, uh, what is it, Google Talk, uh, Spotify. Spotify. Um, we're also on YouTube. Those yes. videos are coming later. Mm-hmm. Um, we're on YouTube. And, and we are on Facebook and Instagram under I Told You I Couldn't Breathe. So. Because, damn it, she couldn't put the damn it in there. <laughs> so, damn it. They won't let us cuss on there. Yeah. So. Anyway. So, anyway. And she's pending, pending also Apple. Yes. Apple podcast. Yes. So, hopefully, we'll get that. Pre- Once we get started. And we'll go from there. You Pay attention to my old lady glasses. My, <laughs> Take my them off. I don't glasses. need them. <laughs> my old man glasses because I can't see no more. I can't either without these things. Transplant eyes. Transplant eyes. <laughs> but anyway, guys, we're going to pick up where we left off. Um, we were talking about when I went to see my specialist, or my new specialist, Dr. Frost and Dr. Saftar. Um she had sat down with me for a couple hours going over my diagnosis, um, my medical history, and so on and so forth. Um, and we just went from there. And she ended up changing the medicine that one of the doctors had me on, uh, or the doctor that I had had me on because it was causing all this fluid. And she had put me on, um, I think I was on... I'm not sure if it was Taldenafil or Saldenafil, whichever the one. They're both, um, one of them is Adzerka, one, the other one is Viagra. Um, again, those, if you've ever heard of pulmonary hypertension, they treat those medicine with those because they're, or treat the disease with those medicines because they're arterial dilators and they're open up our airways because of all the capillaries in your lungs. And we all know what uh, the initial uh, reasoning for developing these drugs in the first place was to open up uh, capillaries and arteries in your heart to dilate those Mm -hmm. to be able to get blood flow. Well, they found out that they were perfect for treating pulmonary hypertension patients and being able to get the blood flow the blood oxygen flow through the lungs to get through the rest of the body. Um, and they, they figure out that it could help men with their, yeah. you know. So that's why Viagra, <laughs> that's why people laugh when she says, yeah, and they're, you know, give me Viagra and stuff, but then you're like, mm-hmm. what, for women? Yeah. I say, well, it, that's what initially was for, yeah. Right. Yeah. And she initially didn't think it was working, so she put me on, um, the different version of it, I think it was Azurka. Can I can't remember. Like I said, if it was yeah, uh, Taldelafil or yeah, Sildenafil, uh, one of the two. 
So she ended up increasing my dosage on those. I think I was taking two pills twice a day. And then uh, we went from that to another drug called Opsimate. So she piggybacked those drugs and trying to get the fluid off of me. So she did put me on a fluid pill and we went from there. Uh, uh, we, it was, I don't know how to describe it. I had to go in every month and before I could get the drug, they made me take a pregnancy test. Mm. Uh, they don't like you, uh, you can't say you can't be sexually active on these drugs. They just, uh, and of course, when you're feeling like that, you don't want to be sexually active if you have a partner. Um, and that was the thing is they they put you on those drugs and they want to make sure that if you are uh, sexually active, if you're on uh, measures to keep you from getting pregnant, because these drugs cause severe, severe birth defects. Mm-hmm. Uh, we're talking, you know, just uh, when you think of severe, you're thinking underdevelopment organs, underdevelopment brains, uh, spinal, you know, spinal cord injuries, mm-hmm. things like that. I mean, uh, things you wouldn't want to bring your child into this world right. having to deal with. And then, some, uh, and I guess some of, some of the drugs you were taking too. I mean, they do also they uh, your. Um, uh, they bomb your kidneys. Yeah, but your sexual appetite is not there. Mm-mm. Per, no. per se, you know, you, there, there's no uh, wanting or anything because you know, <laughs> your, 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 your diagnosis and uh, and uh, and the meds that you're taking really, really, you know, really tone that down. And you see it more on men than you do on women, you know. Right. Uh, so, you know, you see more of the impotence on men. So when you see a lot of transplant patients post after transplant, you see a lot of men taking Viagra because the meds that they're taking really damper their sex, mm-hmm. uh, sexual activity. And a lot of these people are still at the age that, you know, you want to be intimate with your, with your partner. Other, your so. partner, yeah. So, yeah. So, yeah, a lot of that's going on. So just so you all know that that, that happens quite a bit. Mm-hmm. It's very natural. It happens quite a bit, unfortunately. Yeah. But that's what it does to the body, you know. I remember having this conversation with uh, a few of my girlfriends and their husbands. We were having dinner one night. Everybody came to my house um, because I wasn't able to get out as much. And I remember the conversation went, uh, uh, what was it? The drugs that I was on. And we were discussing it. Mm -hmm. And the fact that I was on Viagra at the time and it was so funny and that you say that word and the guys are all turning around and going what What? (laughs) and the conversation was and and one of our friends her husband come out and he goes so does it work for women like it does men and I'm looking at them going you know I don't want to be touched at all and I mean from the perspective of anybody just grabbing a hold of your arm or holding your hand or whatever I said I don't even want to be touched that way Anyway, you know, from anybody. And I was a hugger, and I just didn't want people around me at all to hug me or anything else. And I usually greet people with hugs and stuff like that. Well, that was going to be my question. You just answered answered one of the questions. I was going to be, yes, like how how sensitive were you? Because I hear that a lot of patients are really sensitive to touch, really sensitive to, you know. And that was hard for me because 
you know, like I said, I'm a hugger. Mm-hmm. I, I hug people all the time. And, and that's changed a lot for me. And people don't understand you when you get those sensory overloads at that point. And uh, we'll talk about that as well after transplant because I have sensory overload now. And, you know, sensory to noises. And I was developing that even pre-transplant because when I was talking to people or just hearing noise if you hear kids and a natural part of their you know having fun screaming Mm -hmm. things like that Mm -hmm. those things would get on my nerves and Mm -hmm. there's a lot of things that that go with these side effects of drugs I wouldn't have the normal side effects that they put on the side of the bottle you know the ones that are the usual side effects like of um, you know, vomiting, nausea, Diarrhea. things like that. So, yeah. I mean, it would be something stupid and off the wall. Right. And, and it may be on their list of side effects, but they were so low on the spectrum or the scale that yeah. they listed at the very bottom. Those are the ones that, you know, you get the minor side effects. They The major ones were usually nausea, vomiting, right. fevers, um, rashes, and things like that. And uh, I, it was really weird. Now I would get, like I said, I get the unusual side effects <laughs> that not everybody else gets. Wow. So, yeah. and but she changed up all those meds, trying to get the fluid off of me. And I remember she put me on spirolactone, um, which was uh, kind of like Lasix. It's a different version of Lasix, um, and they try not to to as I say, bomb your kidneys because they don't want you to go into kidney failure too because it's enough if you're trying to qualify for a transplant that you're having to get one organ because then it comes complicated as it is to transplant an organ, but if you have to transplant multiple organs, it gets even more complicated. Mm -hmm. So, um, but that's on down the line. Uh, But like I said, we went in we had this discussion I came back a couple weeks later so she could determine whether the meds were working I was still gaining a lot of fluids Um, I was drinking a lot of water and she started to restrict my fluid intake at that time and uh, I remember in October my brother and sister-in-law came in and they helped me around the house because Halloween's a big deal for me I love Halloween I love dressing up I'm a kid at heart uh, and Halloween was a big thing for me, and that's always what uh, a holiday that I wanted. So they came, they came in. I wasn't able to crawl up in my attic anymore, or climb ladders, and things like that. So they came in to do stuff around my house, and uh, they picked up all of this, uh, the stuff out of my attic, and they set out all my uh, Halloween stuff. We went through there. Mom went through all my costumes, and she decided she was going to try them on that day. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> she had all different hats, and uh, it, it was it was funny. I couldn't do anything. I was sitting on the front porch watching them do all this and telling them where I wanted stuff, and that was really hard for me because I'm a doer. Mm-hmm. I don't like to do have other people do things for me. And uh, I'm used to doing things for myself and doing things for other people. And uh, that's the hardest part is giving up your independence. And, uh, and it's I can tough on people. 
I can only imagine because that's yeah. how I am. I'm, I'm so used to helping and blah blah when I really need it. Right. Um, now more so, I, I can say, yeah, I need the help. But a lot nine times out of ten, I'm not going to come out straight up and go, hey, I need your help. Yeah. And that, that so when you get a yeah. disease like that, that's what it does. It's, it just forces you. It's like it's like God saying, putting His hand on your head and going, "Sit down, sit down, stop it." <laughs> it's your turn to sit down and enjoy and let people you know yeah, do yeah, things yeah. for you, which was really hard for me to ask for help, but you have to. And uh, like I said, we went into uh, her office. And she changed those meds up. I was still starting to get worse. Um, and when I say starting to get worse, it was bad. Um, in October, I was still minimally getting around places. Um, I had a huge oxy oxygen concentrator in my house. Um, it went from the little bitty one to where it would fill up the tanks where I no longer had that. I had the big tall tanks which were about two foot tall. Um, and I went from having like two or three of those canisters to having 30 in my house. Because oh, um, wow. we had those big canisters, we had the, the 30 small canisters and the oxygen company didn't come but every month and wow. or every eight weeks. So, so every week I would have to go get you you know, new ones. basically your house. Your yeah, they wouldn't come dust. to my house, but every eight weeks. That's to say your house was industrialized at that point. Yeah. You just had all kinds of machines and stuff. Yeah. And they just, and I remember arguing with the oxygen company and saying, hey, here's the thing, dude. Uh, I'm young. I like to get out and move. I still like to get out and do things. I'm not tethered to this machine at home. I need oxygen to be able to get to my appointments, so on and so forth, right. and it, it, they didn't care. They just, you know, well, this is what we have. This is what you're going to get when we bring it to you. Wow. So I started calling my uh, insurance company and said, is there a limit on the amount of oxygen that I can get a month? even though because I have doctor's appointments and it wasn't just one doctor's appointment now it was multiple doctor's appointments I had to see my PCP I had to see my endocrinologist I had to see the cardi cardiothoracic doctor um, I had to see the specialist downtown yeah. and those are four or five doctors and they're wanting to see you every couple of weeks and um, I would go and we physically had to go pick up those those canisters from the oxygen place. And when you showed up there, they wouldn't load them in your car. Oh, you had to. You had to load them. So can you imagine my 70-something-year-old mother unloading all those oxygen canisters? Because I couldn't pick them up anymore. Wow. And having to load them in my car. Unload them and load them. But and they would set them outside the dock. When you're not supposed to be even doing anything. Exactly. And, and it was just the stupidest wow. thing. And I, I, they had to, we had to fight to get them to bring the big oxygen concentrator out. The big canister that went in my hallway. And it was just a constant fight. And we did all that. Um. 
by the end of October, I'd started to go downhill really bad. Um, and at this point, I knew and the doctor knew that I was getting worse. My next appointment wasn't until the end of November, and I knew going in probably the 1st of November, um, I didn't have much longer. Mm-hmm. And, um, and I knew it from not just a mental perspective, but from how I was feeling. I just progressively getting worse. I couldn't concentrate. I had stopped writing. I couldn't write anymore. Um, when I say I couldn't write, I couldn't keep up with my writing. You couldn't read my writing. Um, my work was starting to be affected. Uh, I couldn't get things done as quickly because I just didn't have the concentration that I had before. Um, and it was very, very hard. And. I had a tendency to get on Facebook um, and type it out because I could type faster than as I was thinking as opposed to writing it out and doing a constructive thought. There just was no cognitive skills. Your energy wasn't there to keep up your hand to keep up with your brain. Yes, yes. And uh, I had called my parents or called my dad and my brother and all of them and I said listen um, I'm not gonna come home for Christmas I'm not gonna come home for Thanksgiving Um, there's just no way for me to be able to travel eight hours to get up there and have enough oxygen tanks to stay up there for a couple days because I was going through an oxygen tank at the time I was only on four liters um, of continuous flow but it just, if we went places, and the, the thing about traveling up there was, is I would come home, travel for eight hours, and then have to drive everywhere else to come see them instead of where I was staying, them come see me. So, right. <laughs> isn't that how it always works? Yeah. <laughs> Everybody wants to see you, but nobody wants to come, come see you. <laughs> so, we did that, and I told him, I said, um, I, I want you to come down for Thanksgiving, spend Thanksgiving here, and we can also do Christmas. Um, I also wanted to let them know, you know, what was going on, what was transpiring. Uh, like I said, I knew I didn't have much longer. Um, I just knew. My body knew. Um, I knew it was going on with my body because I had gotten to the point where I'd progressively gotten worse. And um, I wanted them to come to come here with an ulterior motive of uh, picking out things that they wanted once I had passed away so that way we could mark everything that was on bookshelves jewelry uh, things like that Um, uh, you know thinking of those things ahead of time because I had already made my list of all of my bills, uh, like your lights, your uh, gas, all those bills, the house payment, uh, that was the only thing I had at the time other than my student loans. And then uh, just the regular utility stuff and the account numbers, the passwords, writing all that stuff down uh, so they would have it because 
when I had contacted a couple of friends of mine to do my will and um, my uh, advanced directives, um, I told them, I said, uh, do I need to include that in there? And they said, no, I'll just include it as a codicil to your will. And uh, instead of putting that in there and then stuff going directly to them so they could change the directives of everything. And then making people, two people that were third party, not associated family members to handle my will so they didn't have any of that to uh, right, to, to deal, deal with. with and that was the point of me having them come in and not telling them at the time so and well that brings up a real good subject uh, we're almost on time on this one uh, but that also brings a good subject is not just with terminal ill but you know that's another subject that we can even talk about too in, in one of our other casts is um, people keep keep your information up to date Mm-hmm. You know, even if you set a will, at least something that's filled out of paperwork with a notary of some sort so that you know your wishes, what's happening, what's not happening. Um, because when that happens, then your family has to go through a lot mm-hmm. to try to. If you have money in the bank saved up and you don't have a beneficiary or you don't have anybody set to be able to get into that account and get that money so they can help with bills or anything like that. That money's going to stay on there, and you got to get a lawyer. Now you got to pay thousands and thousands of dollars, and mm-hmm. it could be just that you only have a few thousand dollars in the bank. Yeah. And it's going to cost you all that money just to try to get that money out. Right. And that was part of what we did as well as when we had the time, my mother and I and uh, the administrators of my estate, they went and signed cards. I put mother on all my accounts. Mm-hmm. Um, they went and signed cards. The, like I said, the cards to be able to, to handle that. Um, and when everything, if something happened, it would roll into a trust. Right. And then they were the administrators of my trust. And then we set up that with the bank, um, had all of that taken care of, because then mom wouldn't have to make those decisions right. as well. So that way, because she wouldn't know what to do. Uh, you know, I love my mother dearly, but she's technologically challenged. Uh, she still has a flip phone. Uh, and I have to answer text messages that people send to her. Uh, I have to set up her phone numbers and her phones if she gets a new phone because she doesn't know how to do all that. She right. doesn't want to learn how to do all that. She's old and fettered her ways. Hey, we all, <laughs> you know, set in ways of something, but yeah. Right. So. Of some sort. Yeah. Well, guys, we're going to end it here. And then next time we start up, we'll talk about um, what transpired after that when my family agreed to come here in uh, Thanksgiving. And uh, the uh, tumultuous downward spiral of my health and uh, where we were at that time. So stay tuned. Stay tuned. And thank you for joining us and have a great afternoon. See ya.